Welcome to the Matter Leadership Podcast. I'm Dan. Tried something new there, Trev. I liked it. And I'm Travis. And we believe that leadership really matters. And this podcast is meant to inspire the next generation of leaders and to be a resource for people who are currently in positions of leadership. Like you, Dan. Thanks, buddy. Today's guest is Christy Montague. On top of being a mom of two kids, Christy has been a social worker for over 10 years in the areas of incarceration, homelessness, and foster care. She is all around just an impressive person, and we are stoked we got her on our show. Well, good morning, Christy. How are you doing this morning? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Where are you, uh, where are you calling in from today? I am calling from Los Angeles. So we've been here for three years, and before that, we were in the Bay Area for six or seven. And we can see you on Zoom, but you're what looks to be in like this really amazing recording studio. And you sound amazing, by the way. Um, <laughs> that sound, that looks like a fun place for kids to grow up in. Yeah. yeah, my husband's a musician. So this is like his music studio. And um, as someone who's worked on podcasts, he has nice microphones, nice gear, things like that. So yeah, and you are, you're, you're a mom of two. Um, and you were just sharing that it's, it's, you said Christmas miracle, even though we're months away, but it's a Christmas miracle that you got the kids away from your screen and, and uh, got some time to chat with us. So really appreciate you setting aside this time and, and um, agreeing to speak in, to our podcast community here. Trev, we're like literally a month away. We're not months away. When this comes out, we're a month away. But even as we speak, we're like weeks away. I guess, yeah, I guess that is true. Thanks for thanks for keeping me accountable. You're welcome. There. If I'm nothing, if not honest, That's, you're nothing, if not honest. Dan, together so we are honest. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Chrissy, can you give us like a short overview of, yeah, some of your background and what you do? Um, I'd love for our audience to hear. Uh, my background is more recently been in social work. So before I went on leave, I was working with young foster moms. So they were in the foster care system. They were between the ages of like 18 to 25. So a little bit older, but in the foster care system still and had their own children. So as a mom, it was a really cool opportunity to work with young moms and kind of take on like a motherly role in teaching them things about raising their children, little tricks, you know, for sleeping and cleanup and diaper changes, little things like that. And, and also just being able to care for a single mom of that age. I mean, I can't, I can't even manage my kids when my husband is gone for eight hours. So um, to just be doing it alone all the time. Yeah, I, yeah, just real quickly, I wanted to interrupt and, and I didn't want to interrupt, but uh, I should say interject, it makes me sound more polite, but interject and just, that's a pretty heavy challenge. So like, we're kind of jumping in right off the bat, but that's like a really heavy thing to have to step into. How did you feel like prepared and, and equipped for that? And what is some of the the background that you have for that that training? Yeah, yeah, I think it's more about people skills, like how you relate and how you empathize with other people, because of course, these young women that I was working with have come from really, really challenging, traumatic backgrounds. So to say that I can relate to them as a mom it is one thing. However, everything that they've carried for their entire life is another thing. And, and just even, you know, a lot of these young ladies, like I said, they're 18 to 25. However, there were some younger ladies that we 
we're working with. Like imagine being in high school and having to raise a child and not having a lot of support, just trying to do everything. It's that's so much to balance. So yeah, so I feel like I could I could relate as a mom. However, I couldn't relate to the depths of their background. And that's where I just had to, over the years as a social worker, working with different populations, it's more about, can I try and be a good listener here? Can I try and be empathetic? Can I try and come in with humility that each one of these young moms, maybe they may have like the same skin color or like a similar story. However, each one is very different and unique. And so for sure. And and this is obviously a leadership podcast. And you mentioned some words. You mentioned being a good listener, being empathetic, operating with humility. And I think if we were to like poll a bunch of leaders, I we I think we would get different adjectives from each of them. But the three you listed, I don't know if those would necessarily even be at the top of the list, but I think they are so important and probably should be at the top of the list. So I'd love to hear you just kind of talk a little bit about how listening, empathy, and humility have helped you be a leader in a space that requires so much sensitivity and it's a difficult space to lead. Yeah. And I'm with you. I think like when I was thinking about what leadership means to me and what it's looked like in my life, I think in the past, it very much was like, you know, I have an outgoing personality. I'm pretty assertive. Like I can make decisions and things like that lended me well in positions of leadership. However, it seems like for me, at least in my own life, as time has gone on, those values, they are important for leadership. However, if you are in a place where you think like, I'm the leader, I know what's right. Everyone should follow me without listening to the voices of the people you're leading, without listening to other people, whether it's like in a group setting, working on a group project or, you know, working towards a common goal of something. If you're not listening to the input of others, then you're missing a huge piece because every person has something to value. And I think what I've learned over the years in social work is, yeah, a lot of the families and individuals, people that I've worked with may look the same and a lot of their backgrounds are the same in terms of, you know, frankly, just coming up in poverty, you know, being around gun violence, violence in the home, not being able to, you know, make it to school regularly, not having food all the time, things like that. Like a lot of that, I could very easily say, okay, this person sitting in front of me, this is their background. I've seen this a hundred times before. However, it's kind of missing that piece of what I was just saying, like without humility and the ability to listen to like, no, this person may have experienced things that I've heard before. They're a unique person and they have their own gifts and their own skills and their own things to add. And so this guy told us in a training one time, he was a psychologist and he was like, I have to, when someone sits in front of me, remember that they're a unique individual and treat everyone as such. Because if I pretend that I know it all or I start acting that way, then I'm going to miss the point. I'm going to miss a huge piece of it. So yeah, that's, that's amazing advice. And I feel like that does embody those three words, the listening, empathy, humility, and, and just remembering that everyone has their own story. And I do think that, and I think, I mean, stories are so powerful. I would love it if you could share maybe a story through either your time it doesn't even need to be recent, but something that you feel has really shaped, particularly a story working with someone that has, has shaped you 
maybe even as a leader in your own home, a leader through social work, but an interaction you had with a person or a group of people that you feel has really impacted you still to this day? I talked about the social work piece. I think that one thing that was really like a life-changing thing for me was I did this trip um, after college. I went to 11 different countries in 11 months and then a couple more sprinkled in between. So I was gone for a full year and was in 13 countries and just seeing the other side of the world. There's so many things that like I took away from that trip that really impacted who I was moving forward and who I am. Like, for example, I can think about many of the countries that we went to, they don't have a weekend, like something as simple as like they get up when the sun comes up five or six in the morning, they work until seven or eight at night and they do that every single day. And they don't have a weekend because they can't stop working. Like stopping working means like not eating for a day, you know, or not having money to buy a new piece of clothing for your child. And so, so things like that were just simply people eating the exact same meal every single day, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, here we have so, so many options and so many privileges. So, yeah. So I feel like that trip for me, which was the places I went to was like Central America. It was in Asia. It was in Africa. It was kind of, you know, scattered across the globe. And so that was a really impactful thing for me to think about moving forward. And it did impact moving forward, like what I feel like is enough and what I feel like is important. Seeing all and and being around all those things, it I feel like it starts to lead you to question like, where do I spend my money? Like, is this really important that I get this a hundred dollar pair of shoes? <laughs> I want to name those countries for our our listeners because um, I think it can put some context on what you're sharing. But when you sent your bio to us, you wrote Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, Thailand, Cambodia, Malaysia, Rwanda, Uganda, Kenya, Nepal, and India. As you consider, I mean, those are not only is that such a, a breadth of countries and experiences and cultures that you got to step into, but I'm sure it was just an incredibly eye-opening experience for you coming out of college and kind of seeing the world in a totally new light. And I'd love for you to share with our listeners sort of like the two sides of that coin. So as you stepped into those spheres, what was it like to know I'm coming in a position of privilege and to serve? So what does that sort of leadership look like? And then coming back home on the other side of that coin, what does that look like to come back to the States and say, now, how do I, how do I take that experience and serve here where I'm at locally? I think one thing that I loved about the organization that we went with was that the way it was set up was that each country we went to, we would partner with local like person or group that was already in that country. They were locals trying to do a specific job or or specific things. So it was nice that as an American, as like a white person coming in to these different spheres, it wasn't necessarily like, let us come and try and fix everything or like do it the American way of doing things. We would come in and we would partner with these locals. And it's like, okay, I have been trying to help like in Nicaragua, it was like, we've been trying to help build these homes for, you know, these widows or these, these people that have many, many children. So it's like, 
okay, so we spent the whole month for the most part, just like digging a bunch of holes and like filling up buckets to make mud bricks and, and things like that, because that was what the need was there in other countries that looked like maybe like teaching English. And I am not like a teaching person. So when they're like this month, you're going to teach fifth grade. I'm like, I've never taught a day in my life. So here we go. And I don't speak the language. So cool. So, but that was like, that was the need that they had for that space. So, um, so that was a, a really cool thing that I think sometimes can even be missed you know American culture you can throw a bunch of money at an issue or you can go in and try and change things your way and I think the important thing and what I loved about what I got to do was getting to step into what they see and identify the needs are and go with it yeah I loved being overseas I very much was like I'm gonna live in Thailand the rest of my life it's my favorite country it's warm and the people are so friendly and you can't spell um, Thailand without LA so you kind of did it yeah you are that is a good point um yeah so I was like very convinced that I was gonna live overseas because I just liked everything about that place and what we were doing that month etc and so uh, it was interesting that towards the end of our trip and the end of our time, I felt like this really strong pull that like there's people who are hurting and need help and broken back in America and back where you live. And um, so that's kind of what drew me back to the States. And then I was already doing some social work prior to going overseas. And that was more like focused on um, programs in prisons, which I like doing. However, when I came home, I came home to America. I kind of wanted to step into something more. So you transitioned that perfectly. I wanted to ask you about what kids, specifically, we'll, we'll say high school students, can do locally to build the capacity to be better listeners, more empathetic, and humility. And just the things you talked about, I feel like it's it's not necessarily realistic right now for them to, although it'd be valuable to take a year off and, and travel the world and, and be exposed to all these, I don't know, the realities of the world outside of, I, we teach in an area where our, my students call it like a bubble. And there's bubbles all over, but what, what can a student do or what can a kid do today to, to build that capacity and those, those leadership tools, even just locally? Yeah. And I think before I answer your question, I think, yeah, there's definitely opportunities even within your own bubbles and your own communities. Like there's definitely space to get to know cultures outside your own. I think the hard part is that it's like really uncomfortable sometimes to like step into those places. And so I think just in that piece, just like having an eye or eyes of awareness of like what's around you are really important to have. I think as far as developing empathy and listening, I think that comes from a posture of humility. And I think right now, just in our like political, social climate, there's so many messages like from the news, from social media, from family members, from teachers, like there's, we're bombarded with information and like people's opinions coming from all sides. And so I know for me in this specific space and time, I am trying really hard to consider other people's perspectives, other people's experiences, things that are different for myself and my beliefs and values, 
and not to immediately jump to conclusions that this other person or other group, this other media, whatever it is, not to conclude that like they're dumb or evil or wrong or things like that. I mean, that's even challenging for, yeah, for me when I read about things or hear about things. So to me, it's like a proactive like being a good listener and being empathetic, you have to come from a place that like, I don't know everything and that's okay. And it's okay to be wrong sometimes even. Yeah, that was something that, I mean, Dan was asking what high schoolers can do today. And I just think that's something that all of us can do today, can kind of step into that space of practicing that that sort of active listening. And I had the ability to, or I had the opportunity to get some training in mindful inquiry. And the image that they give you is that of an iceberg. And just that tip is kind of, the tip of the iceberg is what you're seeing. But what are some of the skills that you can step into in both listening and engaging with others that kind of drag you further down the iceberg to see the bigger picture of what's, what's happening below the surface? And I think that that's that's kind of what you're talking about and something that we all need to do and to step into and and be about. I also wanted to highlight that you had the opportunity to do world race post-college, but even in some of our communication back and forth on email, I think you mentioned that now there's these opportunities for high schoolers to do it post-high school. Um, I think you said it's called gap year or semester abroad or something like that. And um, we'll make sure we link in our show notes that organization so that those who listen in, if they're interested, they can check in and maybe even get that same experience that you were talking about, which clearly is an impactful um, experience. So Christy, before we wrap, we like to ask some questions that don't matter. And then one question that does matter. The question that matters is what does leadership mean to you? But before we get to that question, we're going to ask some questions that don't matter. Dan, take it away. (laughs) Don't be scared. It's going to be, this is a a safe space. We're going to get, we're going to get below the surface with the ice. It's going to get weird. (laughs) Uh, You know, we're going to start pretty, uh, pretty on brand for us, which is our play on words segment. That's really what questions that don't matter is. It just plays on words. (laughs) Anyway, you are a social worker. If you had to plan a social, like a get together, but it couldn't be at your house, where would you plan that social? And what food would you serve? In an ideal scenario, it'd be sunny and it would be outside somewhere. I would do nothing with the food. Everyone would bring food to me, to the party. Um, I guess I am describing my birthday party. (laughs) But yeah, probably something, something outdoors in the sun with good friends and good food and particularly vegan food because at the moment I am vegan. I love that your response to that was essentially my birthday party. Like I'm not planning a social. It's going to be my birthday party and everyone's going to everyone's going to come to me. <laughs> That's great. Uh, before we started this call, you were sharing with us that you were doing dishes and I hate having to do dishes as much as I hate having to fold laundry. What's a chore or job that brings you joy? Gosh, yeah. So many chores do not bring me joy, like the dishes, like laundry, like scrubbing the toilet. I mean, what brings me joy in this current season, this is going to be weird, is I really enjoy the process of like going to the grocery store, making sure that our food from the week for the week is like reflective of like healthy choices and like good options and like some people 
like, I feel like don't like going to the store or like don't do a lot of preparation. However, with having two young kids in my care, I feel mildly responsible that they don't grow up just having pop and chips for every single meal of the day. So that's one thing that I enjoy, like intentionally getting to set up our family for the week. Yeah. I Pop and chips technically could probably be vegan options, but that I know some vegans and vegetarians who that is that is the way they eat. So I, I'm glad you're making intentional choices. So you shared in your bio, and we talked about it. Obviously, in this episode, you've been around the world. I think it's you said you'd been to 22 countries, maybe more. So name one place that you can't wait to take your kids. Oh, that's a good question. I think I'm really excited to take our family one day to, gosh, probably India. It's just like, I mean, kind of the way that we see it in the media. And it's like very bright, very colorful in terms of what the buildings are like, what the people are like, what they dress like, what their temples are like there. So it's like very colorful. However, there's a lot of India that's also like very quiet and very peaceful, very like rural. Yeah. And the people there are just really open. I feel like a lot of Indian people that we met very open to learning, like learning something new, open to different people and different cultures. And so I would be excited to take them there. We'll see if that happens because that means happens. a lot of a lot of long flights. But yeah, when I think about traveling with my kids, I <laughs> um, I always think about traveling with them when they're adults and not when they're kids because <laughs> I just don't want to have to deal with the uh, with the chaos of traveling with with small children. Okay, next question that doesn't matter. You have talked about Thailand a couple times now and you shared how it's your favorite place and you would you would live there. What's your favorite Thai food dish? And being from uh, having spent some time in the Bay Area, any local recommendations for Thai food that you'd you'd share? Okay. So, well, my favorite dish is before I would probably have said any of the noodle dishes. I think right now though, especially cuz it's fall too, my favorite I'd say is pumpkin curry and also mango sticky rice, which usually in America only is available during like mango season. I don't know when that is, but yeah, it's every season. In- <laughs> yeah, there it's all the time here. And our favorite, honestly, my favorite Thai restaurant was in San Francisco. It was called King of Thai number two. Or number one, I had this issue, right? There's King of Thai number one and King of Thai number two, literally on the same block in San Francisco. And one time I texted a friend like, hey, you know, let's meet here. I I said either number one or two. They went to that one. I went to the other one. And we sat there for like 15, 20 minutes, just like waiting for the other person. That was the moment that I realized there was two King of Thais, number one and number two, like on the same but it's like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. You know, you had this sudden revel- like realization of, of what happened. And if it was number two, it was number one in your heart. So that's probably why you kept getting so confused. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Awesome, Christy. Well, let's ask that question that does matter. And that is, what does leadership mean to you? Okay. So, yeah, I was thinking about this and kind of what I touched on earlier that before I think leadership would have been tied to a lot of like strong personality traits and skills and things like that. And I think to me, leadership right now 
means just doing, this is, I don't know if this sounds right, but just like doing the right thing. Um, and I think of like the leader or the the person that I look up to and admire is Mother Teresa. And I think of like, I've read her biography and um, just a lot about her. And I remember this one story about how these nuns were given all these shoes. Mother Teresa let all of the other nuns, you know, pick out their shoes first. And she picked out her shoes last. And they were like two sizes too small. And she never once complained or, or told anyone about it. It was like bending her toes, curling her toes to wear those shoes. However, she she wanted to, you know, let her team and let the people she was leading have the first choice and have the first say. And so that story doesn't totally connect with what I was trying to say about doing the right thing. However, I do think doing the right thing means like sometimes making a choice that like might inconvenience you or might even like put you on a spotlight of like, say you see something going on that's wrong, that feels wrong. And like doing the right thing is saying something is standing up for that person is, is saying, Hey, wait a minute. Like, everyone's saying yes, I think we should be saying no. And so I think just that kind of doing the right thing, like not being afraid to take a back seat um, or put your put your neck out there for things. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah, cool. Well, Christy, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today and speaking into our community. And I just so value your experiences and, and what you've gleaned from them, but more so that Um, You took those experiences and you translated them into how you want to live your life back here. It's really cool for um, our listeners to get a chance to hear that and then apply that to their own life where they're experiencing some of those, some of those similar learnings, but what it looks like to actually then take that and live that out. So really appreciate your time. And um, we know you've got two kids who are waiting for you, probably a sink full of dishes. And so we'll, we'll let you go, but really. The most important role as a leader, by the way, is being a mom. I'll I'll give you that. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks again so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 One, two. Episode recap. Episode recap time. Ooh, that was nice. That was a little, you got a little funk to the recap sound. (laughs) I just made that up on the fly. Oh, really? It it didn't sound like it. No, I didn't write it. I, I made that up. Do you not believe me? <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, speaking of belief, I believe I want to hear your thoughts on the episode. Ooh, look at that transition. That was great. Yeah, not scripted. Again, on the fly. Yeah. Well, I'm going to leave you the space to talk about empathy, listening, and humility, not only because you embody the humility aspect. <laughs> I'm the best at it. But I know just listening to some of your questions and follow-ups with her, I know that that's something that really stood out for you. So what I want to share in this episode recap is how she did such a good job of highlighting what it looks like to really care for people as unique individuals and not as some sort of collective group when you when you have to step into these places of influencer leadership. And she even shared about how, I, don't, I think she said it was like a mentor or like a teacher, someone that she had that was really challenging her to not act as such, to not act as someone who understands a person because of like 
the group that you're fitting them into or associating them with, but to really treat people as unique individuals. And then she went on to talk about how you you kind of expand that to when you're stepping into leadership to partner with the people that you're leading and not be um, focused or have so much care about doing it your way, but really seeing what it would look like to, to, to partner with those people that you're leading. She was talking specifically culturally and as she was going to these different countries, not doing it, I think she even said the phrase like the American way, but what does it look like to really help support, um, encourage and uplift people in, in whatever country she she was in and what does that look like to, to yeah to partner with them and I thought that was something that's a, a, an important learning for us to take away as leaders as well that we we should be looking at how do we partner with those people that we're interacting with and leading and specifically from a high school leadership standpoint how can you look at the the other students in the school and find ways to partner with their interests and their passions and who they are and their cultures and what does that look like and their cultures, and what does that look like to, yeah, to partner with them and um, and then help build a positive culture like based off of that. So, sorry, that was a little bit of a long-winded recap. No, you went you went all the way down the iceberg. We started at the tip, <laughs> we made started it all the way to the, the, the base of the ocean. <laughs> Just wanted to take you there, buddy. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, Okay, a couple takeaways. Number one, I, I, I do want to get back to the iceberg that you talked about. You said you did some training, and then you mentioned that whoever did the training for you, you, you mentioned it as though they invented the term tip of the iceberg. You're like, they have this amazing metaphor. They talked about it like an iceberg where you only see the tip above the water, and then there's a bunch below no, it. No, they, for, first off, why you got to throw shade? Haters are going to no. hate. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why you're throwing shade. Second, I meant like how they talked about active listening was to use that analogy of the iceberg, which was a different way in which I've, I've heard people talk about mindful Well, they do inquiry. say no two icebergs are built the same. So I do think, well, technically you're right. Also, I think I'm right because of humility. This, this comes back to humility. Yeah. Yes, got exactly. It. No, but for realsies, the second takeaway is I, like you mentioned, listening, empathy, and humility, I do believe are undervalued or at least under, under talked about. There's got to be a better word for that. You Google that while I'm, while I'm talking, but basically we don't hear about those a lot and they are underrated, if you will, when it comes to the leadership tool belt. And some of the leaders I respect the most are those who are good listeners who are empathetic and operate with humility. And she definitely did all of those things and she demonstrated that throughout the interview. And obviously those are not only essential qualities of a a good social worker and a great mom, but also of a a quality leader. And I really, really appreciated that. As you noted about my appreciation, it was a double appreciation notation sensation. Is that good rhyming? That was great rhyming, buddy. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Speaking <laughs> of good jobs, uh, why don't you hop on over to uh, the interwebs and give us a follow on the Instagrams at, at Matter Leadership. <laughs> and while you're just, you know, perusing the old safari, cruise on over to www.matterleadership.com. That is M-A-T-T-E-R-L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-I-P, like a boat, dot com. And, uh, you know, check out some of the offerings over there. 
we also while you're while you're on the interwebs and surfing, uh, we do want to give a shout out to Christy and thank her for taking the time to chat with us today. Um, and we want to thank all of you for listening because this is actually our last episode for 2021. What a year it's been, Dan. What what a, a year. year it's been. It's been a year of of both rough seas and icebergs, but we've been able to navigate it on our leadership together, Trav, as co-captains. Yeah, we've really <laughs> co-captains of the ship, but we are taking a much needed winter break, and I think Solstice. it's really just from each other, <laughs> a much needed break from each other, uh, but we'll be back in 2022 with more interviews and leadership lessons from some pretty impressive individuals, so make sure to come on back over and follow along for updates on when those, when those episodes are going to drop. Should I say the website again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's www.matterleadership.com. That's spelled M. Have a great. There we go. All right. Happy New Year, everyone. Bye. A D E R S H I P dot com.